0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. And we are live. I knew you wanted to say that. (laughs) I wanted to say it so bad. So we listened to a 45-second intro for it. Um, Do we need to hit record over there? We're good. Uh, We got Sam Miller in the house tonight, today. This morning. This morning. This yeah, morning.
1: But my time zones are off because, you know, that three hour difference will get you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why when I was like, Can we start at nine? You're like, Of course, dude, that's like midday. That's perfect. Um, but I'm stoked to have you out here, man. It's about, about damn time. It was like I think when we first were like, dude, you have to come out was in Arizona in December, because that's when I like finally signed the paper saying we're gonna get the facility. And we We're in Scottsdale, and I was right. like, "Dude, you got to fly out as soon as like construction's done." And then construction finished, and I think like COVID hit February or something. Like instantly, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like okay, never mind. Put You're your like, you can come it. now. And then yeah. it was
1: like right after that was kind of the issue. Well, I
0: had I so I had the team out in January. We didn't even have everything completely finished. Like we changed a bunch of stuff since then. And then we had Alex Sue in Austin. I think at the end of January or early February. And then you were supposed to come next. Talk to Brad, um, Jordan Syed, like a, a whole bunch of people that were like, "Yeah, I'm down. We'll come out." And then COVID hit. Yeah. Now nobody's coming to see me.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad. No. They don't. They're not even like seating people that close to each other. So
0: yeah, right. I, is it different over here than it is by you? Like, is it? Have you noticed that it's? Uh, We've well, only been here a day. But. Yeah.
1: I've, I mean, I was only in the airport, but yeah, I think at state like depending on the state that you're in, it does make a massive difference right now. I think, I mean, we're still in a position. So I traveled here from North Carolina and like a lot of stuff, stuff still isn't even really fully open. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've got restaurants at like half capacity and you know, you can still, you you wear a mask when you walk in, but then you're like able to sit down and do that. Our gyms are actually still like technically closed in certain counties. So it's like, even within the state, there's like, different different sort of stuff. Yeah. It's like, just kind of depends. I think, how you know people want to kind of walk the line of like what's okay what's not okay so I mean it's definitely here I think you know I've been to Seattle a few times and this was definitely like the most dead that SeaTac had like ever been (laughs) in my entire life because usually it's just like a madhouse
0: yeah
1: um you know kind of comparable if you're from the east coast like JFK LaGuardia um you know a little bit kind of different style than LAX but Mm -hmm. it was definitely airport was still Still,
0: all right. But that was one of the most noticeable things to me right away was like the highways and freeway traffic was like oh for sure for me to get to Seattle, especially not not as much right now, but while that was going on, was like quicker than it's ever been. Usually, it takes me at least an hour to get up there, but it was like thirty minutes.
1: Yeah, flying in, I actually looked down at I five and was like, oh damn, because usually from like three to eight thirty, it's just like packed yeah so I was like oh it shouldn't take that long to actually like drive down to to Cody's facility and and everything but I mean I typically I mean just from last year even going back to so we did a seminar together in March of 2019 yeah and that pretty much kicked off my travel schedule for 2019 and I was pretty much gone somewhere every month yeah so being at home for like three four months you know you get a little bit stir crazy especially it's such a contrast from having you know doing seminars traveling and then I saw i was out with Jade like twice in California. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously had a few, few different events, whether it was NCI related or otherwise. And we had some other stuff that we went to. So definitely a strange, you know, kind of flow for sure. Yeah,
0: it, It's f- funny how like, you know, cause I remember in, I think 2017 was the first year I well, it was the first year I went out on my own and started building a business. But that was the year I was like, I'm going to go to as many fucking seminars and workshops as I can just to yeah. network, you know? Um, and I, I literally think I was the same thing. Like every month I was in a different state at a different weekend course by myself doing something different. And 2018 was very similar. And then when we had Blakely at, uh, towards the middle of 2018, like everything just like slowed down obviously. And it was weird because after she got old enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to leave Shannon with her alone. You know, I feel good about that. I got like so homesick. It was so weird, and to me, I was like so anxious to get out. And then, as soon as I like laid my head on the pillow, I was like, "Fuck, I want to be home already." Like, and it was kind of actually hard, which was weird because I've never been that way. I'm usually like, I want to go, but lately, I've been I've been having the itch, man, just because it's been
1: February, right? Because I saw you in San Diego. Yeah,
0: that February, was that so. was the last trip I took at the very. It was like the beginning yeah. of February. Right? You, were,
1: you were able to bring. Shannon and B, so yeah, yeah,
0: that different. was easier, but but still, it, it like for me, I'm just like now, I'm just like man, and and I think it's less about the fact that I haven't done it in X amount of months. It's more about like that I wasn't allowed to. That I'm like, let me fucking go. <laughs> I just want to travel, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm excited. I think I know I'm going uh, to the Impact Collective and speaking in November. I think it's like early November. But other than that, I haven't done shit. Just been at home doing the thing, but um, but I'm glad you came out, man. I'm glad that you were finally able to see the spot. We're going to train today. We're going to shoot podcast, hopefully shoot a video on something we don't know yet. Um, we took some listeners' questions, so we're going to just really dive through the questions and everything, um, but first, man, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you this before we dive into it, like the update, this is more of like a selfish question, but we'll just do it on air, is like the update on, on your business and kind of like where you've gone, because I've watched you kind of shift gears multiple times and, and start to, and and it's just part of that evolution, right? Of, of Sam Miller science. And like, it's been really cool, but I feel like I've been so out of the loop because I haven't been able to travel and see you guys. And I'm so bad about texting people because I'm just like wrapped up in my own. Plus you got
1: like a toddler running around. So that that makes a big difference. Yeah, it does.
0: But, but fill me in, man. Like what, what have you been doing lately? Who are you working with? What's, what are, what do you have going on? Like, what are you launching all that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, a lot of you guys probably recognize me from being on the podcast with Cody. We did, I think, was it like 204? I think we had a um, nutrition related episode and then kind of did more of a simplifying hormones like episode three like different way ones. back in the day. I feel like you always add like an extra one or two episodes. No, because you did. interviewed me. Oh, on I did. Yeah. And... I interviewed you about training. Yep. So yeah, we did the training interview. The, the original episode was, I think, simplifying hormones. Yep. Then we did a nutrition one for the seminar yep. in March. And then uh, we did I interviewed on you on training and we kind of talked about that and then Cody's been on my podcast like twice. I think within the first like 17 episodes you were because you had uh, you had something going on and you're like, dude, I need to get. on the podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, that was the quickest turnaround ever. They're gonna be like, why was it like 12, 12 to 15 episodes yep. apart. Uh, but for those of you who maybe been following for a while, so I initially met Cody when I was actually running um, more of a coaching company and had different coaches underneath me. Uh, Oracle training nutrition and that kind of like Sort of transitioned into the brand Samular Science, which is obviously just me, and then working more so on continuing education for coaches. And right now, my main focus is I feel like there's this weird gray area between macros and like functional medicine. And so, kind of in the middle of that is really the topic of metabolism. And so hormones is kind of where I started and got a name for sort of simplifying those complex topics and tying it back to the nutrition world and fitness world and the basic truths that we know exist. And then beyond that, now kind of taking that information and like, okay, as coaches, how are we really serving as advocates for our clients overall health, right? So yes, energy balance is incredibly important. Your sets and reps in the gym are important. Those are going to move you forward. Those are your metrics that you're tracking, but there are all these other elements of health that we need to, be mindful of. And there's a lot of clients that maybe come to coaches that aren't these super straightforward cases. So, giving them more of a toolbox to work with. So, one of my main focuses on my podcast is creating methods and models that coaches can then take and bring into their coaching practice and quickly implement. So whether it's something like biofeedback, I talk about shreds all the time. So sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, and stress. So if you need a quick checklist and you're a coach, you're like, oh, I got it. I just need to you know check in on shreds this week. So little things like that that make it easy to remember, easy to understand. It takes this world that normally lived in like Google Scholar and PubMed and National Institutes yeah. of Health and PhDs and, and doctors and making it more tangible. So even concepts like, as a coach, it's important you understand that if your client is on like A medication of some kind, how would that influence their nutrition or their training? You know, you're going to start with your basics. And I think coaches start to realize, okay, there's maybe a little bit more to it than just um, kind of this baseline that I learned and that everything doesn't occur in a vacuum. And so that's really where I come in is to help coaches who feel like maybe they're, you know, doing maybe a few too many late night Google searches and like starting to tread into some water that they're unfamiliar with, and then just kind of come back, break that down, give them some tools so that they can really like dissect that and figure that out. So uh, one thing I'm doing right now, so I think when this will air, we'll have just completed a uh, three-day coaches workshop. I do sort of run these fairly frequently. So you guys are more than welcome to pop in. Uh, Running a Facebook group for coaches, which is the Nutrition Coaching Collaborative. So we got about around 1100 coaches in there right now. Uh, and then I will have a specialization program coming out along with my mentorship that I do for coaches. And that's really more on the functional nutrition and metabolism science side. So helping people understand, you know, the integration and intersection of nutrition, hormones, science, metabolism, labs, things like that. I think the problem is in the health and fitness industry, it's like people will do these things to get attention. And that's like very marketing based, right? It's not client centric. It's I'm going to talk about keto and how your insulin levels need to be whatever, Mm -hmm. because that's a product that I'm promoting or pushing. I have no like informational product to sell you about keto. I don't have anything to sell you about like veganism, anything else. I'm just going to talk about the physiological ramifications of your decisions and how you need to sort of sift through that. Or if you're educating a client, walking them through that, or if we're looking at labs, how do we pick what's best for the client? And so sort of zooming out and giving that level of perspective, that was really the idea behind the specialization was taking the concepts that we know are true and what we need to understand about energy. Um, it's really all starts with these two umbrella concepts is that the body is constantly you know, making its decisions and adaptations based off of energy availability, kind of perceived energy availability, and our perception of stress, Mm -hmm. which can be, you know, positive stressors that we are specifically imposing on the body, like training, uh, or it could be, you know, your lifestyle stress or lack of sleep or inflammation, like those are all stressors in themselves. So I I start with those two very basic concepts, and then allow that to sort of bring us down into, okay, women's health, thyroid health, men's health, um, you know, the different topics that, you know, even gut health and things like that. So taking these areas that have previously been, I think, used by people as a way to divide the industry, like you either believe in calories or you believe in hormones. It's not, there's no possible way that they could influence each other. Well, I'll tell you like what you eat is going to influence, you know, your, your overall physiological state, but also like, you know, if you have no energy or brain fog, you're tired all the time, or if like your cravings are, out of control that's going to influence you know your food decisions and your overall willpower so it's like how do we get these two to like play nicely together
0: well would you say too that your hormones can essentially influence your maintenance calories your energy balance because i think a lot of people say like there's a lot of people out there that just use the answer calorie deficit like for everything And I've even used it multiple times because there are some times where it's like you're just not in deficit, you know. But I think that there's a lot of times where people like, oh, calorie deficit doesn't work for me because my hormones are messed up. And, And my response is always like, and you probably have a better way of describing this, but no, I think that calorie like a calorie deficit's not working for you because your hormones are putting that calorie deficit in such a place that it's unsustainable. Because if you're physiologically in a bad place. Your maintenance calories goes lower and lower and lower. And now to achieve a deficit is damn near impossible. Would you say that's true?
1: I call it like the client who comes to you as a coach and says, I have nowhere to go from here. Like I basically cannot really adhere to like an 800 calorie diet or meal plan or whatever. And so what's happened is the body has basically compensated or downregulated in a way where the amount that they would need to eat to lose weight is now they may end up with other nutrient deficiencies that then cause more hormone issues. Um, so really it's kind of that, you know, even with dieting is figuring out, well, what bandwidth do I have to play with from my overall like calorie maintenance? And then figuring out, okay, the deficit is here and this is where it is. And that's why, you know, reverse dieting has been so popular. Maintenance phase has been popular because we're building our metabolism in a way that when we go to subtract calories, I have, I have some room to play with. Mm-hmm. I can maybe add a little bit of ex, um, additional energy expenditure. I can uh, potentially pull calories in terms of calorie consumption and what I'm doing. And the problem is we'll have, there's just a very big difference. I think calorie deficit is such a great answer for someone who's never really dieted before. They are underactive and maybe just have never tracked their food. And so they mindlessly sort of overeat. I think it creates awareness and just the basic initial tracking. The best thing about it is it creates self-awareness and self-awareness is so important in all areas of life. Uh, we even got some questions like related to that, um, for the podcast, just in terms of like auditing yourself. But I think really when you're, when you're tracking your food, it's just an audit. You're figuring out, here's where I am, this is my data, and I can make decisions based off that data. So it's a great starting point. I think where people go wrong is like, well, there are caveats and kind of nuance to things. So if you've been training for six, seven years, and you go to the gym seven days a week, and you've been on, you know, this, if you didn't periodize your nutrition, and you've just been pulling calories for, you know, weeks, months, years on end, well, we might need to just take a different approach for a while so that you can then go back, to calorie deficit being the right answer for you. It's not that there was anything wrong with like the idea of energy balance. Your practices just became like so ridiculous and also not optimal for your other areas of your life or your health because you know health and well-being obviously it's not just about like the training and nutrition side. It's like, well, if you're only eating this many calories, how is this showing up in like, you know, your like relationship with community and like your actual relationship with the exercise and relationship with food, uh, the people around you, not to mention like your work performance. If you're on, I mean, so common that people be on a diet and like, it just impacts their cognition. Right. So it's like how those things are showing up in your life, managing those variables. And it's like, we want a deficit, but we want it in a way that like, it doesn't totally mess everything up in the process.
0: Well, so, and that's the depth of an answer people need because when, 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 Gurus and people are on Instagram just saying calorie deficit, calorie deficit. Now, like people don't understand that even if they do need to go to fucking 800 calories to lose some weight, there's all these other consequences that are going to make the rest of your life so much harder. So you still shouldn't diet. So telling somebody a calorie deficit is the answer is encouraging them to get into that hole, right? Dig themselves into that deeper hole. So I think people sometimes do need to go into the weeds, which is why I actually respect people like yourself, myself, and, and some of the people in the industry who are so focused on the education because I think there's, I think this happens with just like the average client and the coach. There's information overload, right? Overwhelm, I should say, where people are taking in all this information, but they don't fucking understand what it means and they're trying to apply it and it doesn't work or they just go fuck it because it doesn't make sense. And it's like, this is why mentorships and courses and workshops and seminars and things and education-based coaching is getting more and more and more popular and I think it's honestly I think it's solely going to just weed out the people who are not doing it that way and who are not sharing I was talking to uh, Scott Stevenson yesterday about coaches who like claim like act like they have black magic where it's like I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing because you need me you know it's like no like let's empower the people and actually teach them what the fuck we're doing so they know how to sustain it long term because if they don't get it they won't sustain it Period. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I think looking at something like the calorie deficit concept, even just adding like three words after it, which is what kind of bringing me back to the models and methods thing, you know, that deficit's going to be dependent on the duration you've been in a deficit, the depth of that deficit, and how frequently in your lifetime have you tried to go in a yep. calorie deficit. Just look at those three things, honestly, because. What I would hate is for someone who does maybe need to get healthier and maybe hasn't achieved, or, or even if we look at it just from like the aesthetic standpoint, they just want to feel more confident. They just want to look better. And they hear that answer of calorie deficit and maybe they really have legitimately been trying. They have been tracking. It's not like a user error. I think there are people out there who like, I have to say this just because like, there's both sides to it, right? There's definitely user error on one side where it's like, you're truly just not in the deficit, you haven't yeah. tracked, you don't have the self awareness around food, and you're more in that beginner phase. And then there are people who are kind of beyond that beginner phase. And I could see them seeing a post like that. And that turns into self deprecation and picking at themselves and what will we'll, why isn't this working for me? And they question it and then maybe they give up. Um, And and I I would never want to see that. And that's why kind of giving a little bit of context to the answers I think is important because, you know, it's when we try to have these black or white rules, anyone who falls in the middle, which is, a lot of people fall in the middle. Um, It it just, I think they get really discouraged. And so explaining the gray area is important, uh, but still having some foundational rules and principles. So we're not just like in la la land, like making shit up whenever we feel like it.
0: Yeah. Um, Before we get into the questions, I have one question that just came to my mind as you were kind of going down that rabbit hole at the beginning about hormones. Um, What are the, what do you think is like, most common isn't the right word. Okay. So like what's, what's going on through my head is uh, I just had Lisa just finished a, a really long thyroid blog. Right. And she was doing all this research for it and she was talking to Brandon our CSO and me and we're all going back and forth. And I was like, you know, did you find that a lot of the times in the research and the case studies and the things you've talked to with clients? Cause she's worked with a ton of people who, you know, it's like, it's one of the most common hormonal things you'll see with women is thyroid dysfunction. Yeah. Um, that it really just comes down to kind of like your whole shreds concept, which is why I love that. And I love the, the duration, the frequency and the, uh, yeah. yeah, Um, I almost said intensity, but yeah, same thing. Like, um, and I've talked about that before, but it's almost like, Hey, like, Oh, your hormones are messed up. Stop being in a deficit, get enough sleep, be smart with your training. Like realistically, like it's like, it is, I guess what I'm asking is more often than not, is it actually pretty simple things that people need to do consistently versus supplementation or nutrient timing or like um, hopefully not hormonal replacement and things like that?
1: Kind of depends on how they got there. So okay. it's like usually your answers for how you need to restore or um, I don't really like the term balance, but how to get back to more of an ideal Hormonal state or physiological state is really going to be dependent on what you did to end up in a compromised position. Mm. Some people, you know, I kind of walk through, well, obviously we start with kind of this genetic element. Some people have conditions or diseases, or I've been medically diagnosed with something. We're going to kind of take that out of the scope of coaching. Now you can manage those conditions by living a healthy lifestyle, but they kind of have a pre existing condition. So we we'll right. kind of move them out. Um, then we'll go to, okay. Um, was there an experience in your life, some form of trauma or stress that created that experience? And generally, you know, when you see something like autoimmunity or Hashimoto's, there can be other things besides just dieting or chronic dieting. There might be a uh, loss of a family member or a divorce, or basically you can look at, there's, um, different types of perceived stress questionnaires and the research and you'll notice that you know different stressful life events can basically trigger obviously there's like that psychoneuro excuse me like the psycho the psychology, the neurological connection and also the endocrinology behind it. There's a connection between all of those. So if you're already placing a lot of physical stress on the body in the form of dieting and uh, exercise, you are sort of reducing your overall bandwidth to handle certain things. That's if you're overdoing it. Obviously, if you're doing a healthy amount, like let's say you're training three, four days a week, good, like good nutrition, that should in theory, give you a little bit more resiliency against those stressors. Mm -hmm. Um, so giving that kind of example, I've had people who have had gut health issues due to like pharmacology. So being on, um, could be antibiotics. I've seen a lot with women who are on like swim teams and like exposure to chlorine and chemical, like, there's some weird stuff out there. So that's why I'm hesitant to be like, oh yeah, it's always just because right. you like yeah. ate too little and exercise too much. I'd say that's definitely a, a decent sized subset of people with issues, but now we're running into things. And this is kind of why I'm creating the education I'm creating is like 21st century. How common is it for the average uh, female client to come in potentially having been on birth control for 15 years or b- they, basically things happened in their past that we're not just only training and nutrition related that are impacting their present physiology. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to just understand how those work and like what shows up in the body. But also, yeah, your training and nutrition, especially if you're a coach who's, you know, trying to improve someone's health, your main toggles or levers, I actually just kind of made this little guide called the 10 toggles. And uh, those main ones are like your non-exercise activity, your training, your nutrition, your sleep, sunlight, um, actually trying to get these all to be S's. It was like sleep steps, sunlight. I think I had pillars. It was like sleep, steps, sunlight, strength, training, strategic nutrition. And there were like one or two other ones. It's on my Instagram. If you want to check it out, I made like a little little graphic out of it. But, um, yeah, those, those are great. If what got you there was maybe, uh, you know, really intense dieting or what got you there was maybe an unhealthy relationship with exercise. I think, you know, reversing out and doing those things, that'll be great for like a subset of cases, probably like a good chunk of them. There's still like a decent sized part of the population where like reverse dieting alone might not be enough or just like changing the training might not be enough. And that's where having some awareness around, okay, like what else can we do from a supplement perspective or nutrient timing perspective, uh, especially if people are getting to the point with maybe three adrenal or insulin sensitivity or something like that, where they're having this cortisol dysregulation and it's impacting things like their blood glucose. Well, then how you space out your meals probably matters. How, whether you choose to do intermittent fasting or not probably matters. Whereas for the regular person with like a very healthy system, sure, they could fast until lunch and like not really notice any negative effects from that. Uh, So that's where the, the nuance of like Maybe this person wants to take their daily calorie allotment and just spread it a little bit differently. Doesn't mean energy balance doesn't matter. Doesn't mean our training and nutrition and sleep don't matter. It just means how do we sort of apply this more specifically to the individual in the case? So I don't want to say
0: like throw out a number like 50 50, but um, I think it depends who you are. It depends because who you are. As you can imagine, our population, our clientele, our listeners it's probably a bigger percentage of people who are just not eating enough or training too hard. Right. Because that's just our demographic, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why I said, it's definitely a yeah. good chunk. And I, I realize realized that the people who
1: follow me and reach out for help, there is sort of a bias in the type of content you post, attract certain people yeah. who then want a different level of help. Um, that's why I said reverse dieting does go a long way, especially if you truly need one like sleep. If you're not sleeping enough, will go a really long way. Uh, but there are people who are really trying to check those boxes off and still struggling a little bit and maybe aren't ready to go with like the Western medicine approach to, I'm just going to take a pill to sort of address this. So, that they're, they're out there. I just, I think it depends on where you're at. It's, it's really interesting though, because, you know, you talk about, you know, the content you put out in the podcast and training nutrition. I had a female coach, so like a mentee, uh, mentor client, and she didn't necessarily even market like hormones or like women's health or post birth control, like not like it's not in her content. But I think the level of trust that she had with these women and the results she was getting with her clients, it gave these, these other individuals hope. So when they reached out, she ended up getting like, and this was one of the reasons we connected in the first place is she ended up getting like 12 super, like kind of advanced complex cases. She's like, didn't even know it based off like initial intake and application until she started working with these clients. And so that's a great example of where she wasn't like marketing to hypothyroidism. She wasn't marketing to like post-birth control or PCOS or anything like that. But the cases are out there. And if, if, if that population finds you to be trustworthy and you provide educational content, there is a possibility, but I think you've got to learn the basics first. So like before you try going to like specifically work with these people, like learning reverse dieting and, um, understanding, you know, how to, manipulate training and stuff like that. I think that's super important. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah.
0: Two, two really good keys that, that you, I mean, you didn't say blatantly, but you kind of summarized there. Um, one, this is why so often I struggle when people, people will send in questions through our podcast forum and it'll be really long. And they're like, here's my macros. Here's where I'm at. Here's my goal. And I'm like, I still, you sent me like two paragraphs. I still have 27 questions about your history, you know? So like for people listening, like one, that's why we say the word it depends so much is because, I mean, Sam just ranted off the whole thing was like all the different reasons why it depends and why we can't just give you a black and white answer or why a calorie deficit isn't always just the right answer. Um, But it's also like for coaches, you should be asking those questions. You should be chasing that depth. Um, And I completely forgot the other thing that you, Oh, uh, Who, who, like kind of I get this I've gotten this question a few times recently just because of who I'm working with but like um because I have some of the WWE clients and they're like how do, how do I do that like how do I get those kind of clients and I'm like I couldn't even tell you because never once have i fuck like created WWE training content like I just haven't like I got connected through a mutual friend and then I just crushed it and the dude introduced me to three other athletes in the sport. Now. Because I did well with that one client, and I was like, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to charge you. I just want to like give you value," and that helped me, right? Yeah. So,
1: but that was the answer, though, right? Is like the giving value first, and yeah. then also approaching it from, "Okay, how can I help?" And that instantly attracted more people, you know, yeah. down that road. But I think so. it
0: comes to you, like that that girl that you used as an example, like that just kind of fell on her lap. Um, yeah. So she didn't, and now she could probably market that way and do really well in that niche. Um, and I really have fun training these people, so I'm trying to do more of it because right. I love it, but I think it's, it's also a combination of, uh, this is why I hate the, um, like, it, not that I get this a ton, but I've had a couple of friends say this to me that I've known for a while, like, man, you blew up out of nowhere. And I'm like, dude, I've been like <laughs> literally like slaving in the gym <laughs> since I was 18 years old. Like it's been 10 years of doing this, so. Um, it, this did fall on my lap. Like I, I, didn't hustle to get it or anything, but it is a right. combination of meeting the right people, doing the right things, delivering value for years and years and years until somebody came in that was like high profile client, right. you know? Um, but we've already been going for 30 minutes, man. Let's, <laughs> let's get into these questions. Um, first one we will do coach What do you write in your morning journal? I'll let you go first.
1: Oh man. Uh, So actually our our friend Matt asked me something similar on a podcast. Uh, Him and Austin have such similar names to their, their pocket, like life beyond fitness. I don't know which one's which. (laughs) (laughs) And it's no offense to them. I love (laughs) both those guys. I like, I like those guys, but um, so when I'm on point with everything, I try to just divide a piece of paper into three because that way, regardless of whether you have some fancy journal or not, anyone can do this, but you can also sort of reverse engineer it depending on the tools that you have. Uh, So what I used to do is take a planner or a notebook, basically divide my sort of morning into like three to five critical tasks. I would also kind of future pace. So looking at like three to five examples of where I want to be and also looking back at like retrospectively, like three to five wins or like what's going well uh, or things that I'm grateful for. And it creates like a very easy way to just go like present, but also know where you're going, but also know where you just came from. Uh, that was the most simple format that I've used. So typically when I'm asked a question like that, that's how I share. Um, cause this is, he said, what do you write for your morning journal? Yeah, or like morning routine?
0: What do you write in your morning journal?
1: So I think journaling It's interesting, right? Because I I know people, I have friends where journaling means brain dump. And I have friends where journaling is this very structured, very spiritual, like so many questions. And I've even seen, like Brendan Bouchard has his planner, like high performance planner, has like 12 questions in it. And it's like super, you know, specific. Um, But I
0: I used that for a little bit. I did use it it for a little bit. It's too many questions. It's a
1: lot. (laughs) I got to like get going. And for me, it's almost like gives me anxiety, like sitting around answering
0: all those questions. It's like 12 questions, (laughs) top three things you need to do. Who are you going to connect you, with? Yeah. What would you tell yourself today? List out who your can schedule. I surprise and like give a special I'm like, gift? Bro, this is so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to wake up like extra early just to, <laughs> just to finish that. And I, I do use like I like some of those questions, and so I'll pull things out like especially yeah. in like a mentorship setting. Certain people need certain questions because the reflection brings awareness to issues or obstacles yeah. that they're facing, and I think that's the part that gets missed in a, in a morning routine or with your journaling is it should be used based on where you're at in life right now. And it will change and it will adapt and it'll grow. Um, so what maybe works for me, like in the middle of a launch is going to be different than like when I have a lot more time for like different time for self-prioritization, uh, also different phases of business, different areas of focus. One thing I had to work on a lot this year was like, even in that journal, thinking about like tying this back to business, things like delegation and stuff like that. But in terms of my personal component, usually for me, I always try to read anywhere from like one to 10 pages. And then I don't necessarily always write about that, but it might prompt something that I need to uh, reflect on or write about. But honestly, the thing that I was most consistent with, and this was for 2018, 2019 and parts of 2020 was taking like, be very present, have those three to five things that like demand my present attention, three to five kind of future things and then three to five like wins or areas of gratitude and you can either write about that you can do bulleted lists you can do checklists like I think it's just very flexible and adaptable so that's why I I kind of share that when talking about routines and journaling and things like that
0: yeah I think for people listening I think if you're brand new to journaling I think something like the five minute journal I think it's called is is really great because it takes five minutes and it's it's just like what are you grateful for? It's like, there's like a powerful quote, like an affirmation. It's very, very simple, but it's guided. Um, and then people who are maybe in a rut and you need to spend the time doing something like the high performance planner. I think that can be good for people. Cause some people I'm like, man, you need to spend that time doing that. Cause you have no clarity in life. Like, you know, you need 12 questions every fucking morning. Um, I'm the type of person that does more of like, just kind of like free journaling. So at night I do a brain dump And that's why I just like list out everything basically on like a sticky note thing I have. And it's just like everything I need to do tomorrow, everything I accomplished today, everything on my mind. That way I can just hit the sack and fall asleep. And then in the morning, it's like usually three to five things I'm grateful for, um, three to five tasks, like most important things I need to do for today. Um, And then usually just one uh, powerful affirmation. So like I am blank. Um, Sometimes it's the same sometimes it changes. Like I know when, uh, Shannon was pregnant, it was literally like, I am a great father, like over and over and over again. Cause it sounds so woo woo, but I like truly believe about like speaking things into the universe, you know? So I have a point on that. Yeah. I, I love, so I love doing that. So for me, it's even, it, there's even been things about like who I am in the industry and who I am as a team leader and who I am as a coach. But like, writing that out every single morning three to five things i'm grateful for three to five most important tasks um and then the only other thing i would say is like there are times where i actually so i went through that wake up warrior program for a while and i got like all their app software and they have an app called the stack and it's basically like uh, have you ever heard of loving what is the book oh, by yeah, brian katie yeah so like the work is like a worksheet that that comes with it and it basically asks you a bunch of really deep questions to like I mean, the first question is, in this moment, who or what has pissed you off, made you sad, hurt you, made you angry? Like, it's, like, very, like, whoa, shit, deep. And then uh, you have to go, like, is that really true? Like, did they really mean to? And then flip the story, put yourself in their shoes, like, you did it. And it's, it's the craziest thing, and it t- it's a process that takes, like, 15, 20 minutes. But if I'm going through something rough or I do have anger built up or I'm, like, in an emotional place, like, I will go through the stack because it's way more powerful to me than writing three to five things I'm grateful for. Because it creates clarity in a moment where you don't have that clarity. Um, but I would say I do that. Like, you know, I did it every single day while I was going through Warrior. Just because, like, that's part of it. It's like you just do it every day to get used to it. And now it's like once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes every couple weeks. It's really just like when I feel like I need to sit down and like go through that process, I'll do it. But otherwise, it's pretty simple in my journal.
1: Yeah, the affirmation thing that you said is interesting. Because I'm, I'll share a book with you. I'm, I'm not gonna share it publicly until i read it and i can actually speak to whether it's good or not right. but i have something interesting that's related to like why belief is so important uh so i'm diving into that because i'm curious behind like some of the science like kind of me- meshing the woo-woo and the yeah. science um, and and you and i have talked about that before it's very interesting though because what you said about your affirmations the way you write the affirmation so when i said you know the three to five three to five three to five so like critical tasks um you know in terms of looking at when i say future pacing or looking at things in the future writing them in the present tense. So it's like write things that haven't happened yet. So that that can be your affirmation. So like Cody said, I'm a great father. You could take something related to your business or your fitness, like I have accomplished X, um, and making it present tense. I think it can be a little bit more powerful. So you're sort of adopting that as part of your identity. Um, So I've done that in spurts. And so can definitely speak to that a little bit. But I think it just depends on like your personal preference. I think
0: that works with the tasks too. I will blank, not like... Like I'm going to try to do this or like just writing out record podcasts. Like it's like I will record podcasts for this with this person, blah, blah, blah. Like the more depth and like you said, it's kind of speaking as it's if it's already happening for sure without doubt. Um, I really believe in people changing their vocabulary too. Like the people that constantly say like try or maybe or like think about it. Wouldn't it be nice? Like that shit just crushes you. Yeah, it's like, like you got to have certainty and surety
1: in what you're yeah, doing. And so that, that creates
0: that certainty. All right. Um, you can tell these are asked to me. A uh, top three, <laughs> a day to remember songs. It's like a punk emo fan oh. right here. <laughs> um, best nutrition coaching program. Uh, thank you with a smiley face. E Mayor7. I'm only saying this because I have to plug Tailored Coaching Method. I think it's the best nutrition program there is. Um, I don't know if she's a coach or if she's a client. So. I'm obviously going to say our company is the best when it comes to nutrition coaching. Um, If you're a coach looking for coaching programs to help you, there's honestly so many. It's hard for me now. Like when people ask me that question, I like list out five and I'm like, just go look at them all and pick what you think is best. Um, I really, I, I went through MNU, which I really liked. It's a year long, so you got to really commit to it. But it, I mean... That one covers fucking everything. I mean, they have a year with you, so it's pretty long. Um, obviously, we're fans of NCI, and it's pretty diverse. Because they have a lot of different aspects of it. Um, PN is always great, depending on who your clientele works with, and I think that's a big thing, too. Like, you know, if you work with a bunch of CrossFitters, I'm probably going to say, hey, you should go check out NCI. If you're just like a gen pop fat loss coach and you have time, go with MNU. If you don't want your clients tracking macros and you're much more focused on habits and behavior change, go with PN. For me, like I knew I was going to work with everybody and I knew all those skills were critical. So I just did them all over time. But um, I like those. But like the thing I would recommend is actually doing like actual mentorships. Like you have a mentorship that dives really deep. We, as this airs, I think we're launching it on Monday. If not, it'll be, there'll be a link in the show notes. But um, essentially we're doing a mentorship as well, but we cover training, nutrition, uh, some of the research stuff and then some business stuff, 12 weeks. Um, This is the first time we've done it, but I think that's good. Yours is good. I think uh, Travis Zipper has a really good one. But all of them, like the thing about them is you don't necessarily get a certification at the end, but you get interaction with people who have really good and long experience. And I think that's... So I am
1: adding a credential to... to
0: oh, are you? So that's year, that's so. dope. So I've changed.
1: Yeah. So initially, you know, I, I did this five times last year, four or five times, you know, kind of from calendar end 2018. So just in 2019, had over 100 coaches. Um, and then going into this year, I was like, what can I really do to kind of separate this or bring attention is making it more specific. Also the name before, just like it didn't clearly articulate what you got out of it. Um, Whereas now, so the September program will be the functional nutrition and metabolism science specialization. So yeah. FNMS. So that way you could just be like FNMS, like yeah, I'm a specialist cool. or I have a credential in that. Um, it should not be, I, I still believe that other people could go, should go and get a certification prior to that,
0: but it's just, well, that's I not to an entry to, level program, right? Right. right? Like right. you should go get like a general nutrition coaching cert or a general, it's like when people start really diving into super advanced stuff and I'm like, are you a certified personal trainer? No. Yeah. Okay. We'll start there because it's, one, it's a really easy test to pass, but which I think it's, I mean, this a whole other topic. I think it's too easy at times, um, unless they updated it. When I took it, it was like, I remember a question saying, What exercise is this? And it was like a guy doing a curl, and it was like, Lap pull down, squat, barbell curl, or push up. And it's like, fucking kidding me. Yeah. Um, I think that speaks to a good
1: point, though, in terms of like, you know, that's why researching the yeah. person's content and like what yep. they put out uh because that'll speak speak volumes versus just a video of them doing
0: barbell curls or something yeah and committing in for coaches like committing to stuff like we're talking about right now fmns right yeah that was yeah i'm still getting used to it because i used to be yeah so it's functional nutrition okay yeah because
1: before i think it got lumped in where it was like just hormones and that's not necessarily the case it's not just labs because there are other like diagnostic and very blood chemistry oriented things, but I don't think they integrate it back into it. They're basically just like drugless health practitioners. They're not like nutrition and training coaches and fitness professionals. So the idea of like functional, it's just like when you talk about like you've had fit was like one of your programs. Right. So it's like, I think it's important to tie back to that. Um, I've been using the word metabolism a lot with a lot of things lately versus just calories or hormones. It's kind of that integration point. And then science obviously had to put that somewhere and, uh, just needed something that kind of made sense that flows together. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very similar program, still 12 weeks to what I did before. Um, I am adding a little bit more group interaction. They're going to get like, um, because now I have so many past resources from running this program, my different eBooks, videos, digital products, like really it's, it's a lot more than just when I just did mentorship before. It's basically like you're getting a Course mentorship yeah. combo plus, you actually get a lot. One thing that that always bugged me about some of the traditional certifications I did, even some of the more well uh, renowned programs, it's like you don't actually have a coach. You like go for yeah. you know either like PN you self study. Now like a lot of respect to to those guys that have, like made more people want to be nutrition coaches and they've made it more accessible, yeah. which I think is a huge win there but I think we can look at pros and cons of every program. Um, you know, I think if you looked at a con of what Cody and I are doing, like, yeah, you're going to have to pay attention for 12 weeks. You're not just going to grab a textbook and like, you know, circle answers or whatever. Yeah. Do it at your own pace. Um, but you know, there's something to be said about like you achieve your goals a little bit more quickly. One frustrating element for me. And the reason I do things the way that I do them is I would be the guy that would go to a weekend certification. I would learn but I would like have a bunch of questions after. Yeah. And if you're in a room of 30 people, maybe 50, maybe 100, how many times can that instructor realistically call on you yeah. for your question in yeah. the span of two days? Maybe twice? Yeah. You know, you're going to get called on twice, and then on Sunday you're going to leave. Maybe you get the cert, maybe you take the test, whatever. And the weekend certification model, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired with complex topics because – what if I don't, what if you don't fully grasp it yet? Or what if you need more case studies? What if you need to see someone else articulate it so you can weave it into your content? Because my goal isn't just, oh, well, you can answer these couple questions for your client. It's, I want you to be a content producing machine in these areas that you understand. And now you are able to basically like have a sustainable practice, like talking about these topics. So that was my frustration with the weekend certification. The self-studies I think can be great. Um, There's a lot of programs now that have like digital modules online. I just think some people, they truly have good intentions to learn, but they sign up for a digital thing and they don't actually do it. Uh, So I think having someone where it's a manageable group where you can actually be like, hey dude, where are you? What are you doing? Yeah, Come on. There's a limit
0: on how many people
1: you... Yeah. will allow in there, right? Which like is a down, a, that's a downfall from like a business scalability yeah. element, right? So there's a reason people do textbooks and yeah. self-studies.
0: But I think that just shows integrity, right? Like, so we have a limit on ours too and we have a, a live every single week because, and we know that like, well, if we have more than 10 people in there, it's going to be hard for us to answer enough of the questions in the time frame we have every week and we want a place where, and I think this is like what I love about what you do too. A lot of people, coaches just don't have confidence in what they're prescribing and even if they're prescribing the right thing, they're like, is this the right thing? Should I give this to this person? They're kind of in that scarcity mindset right. with it. So having a like a person, like a uh, an educator essentially that you're paying and you're being a part of the certification or mentorship with or multiple, being able to give you that feedback and tell you like, yeah, don't do that. Or yeah, that's actually the right reason for yeah. doing that. You can feel good about that. You know what I mean? That builds your confidence. And I think that's what you're not going to get that out of a textbook, right? right? But and
1: clients pick up on that too. Like if you're yeah. super... Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: Um, now, I will say, I actually just posted, uh, I just grabbed a new textbook. So, like, I still think it's valuable to have textbooks, especially if you're creating a lot of content or you're uh, educating. Like, so for, for me, part of my job is to educate my coaches constantly. It's important to have that because it's, it's really just, like, a huge reference book. You know what I mean? Like, there's an index there's studies. There's all these, if you get a really good textbook, there's so many different topics and and, uh, methods in there that you can just go, Oh, I need to think about this real quick, or I need to refer back to this. So I'm not like incorrectly posting or writing about it. Um, So I, I encourage coaches to have textbooks, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think we answered that question. Good. Um, The next one, Liz, Beth, HP, how do you audit your life? you want to handle this? You want me to go go first?
1: So I told Cody going in, like when we started chatting about some of these questions, um, I think there's a difference between a self audit and having like a coach or having a mentor or kind of role model audit you and what you're doing. Just like what Cody just said with that case study example, that mentor client could basically go back and say, here's how I was going to approach this. And then you have the coach audit you. I think in terms of, uh, you know, personal audits of yourself, I think that's where I know you're big on like metrics and tracking and like, I mean, you have so many things that you track. It's like, I look at your stuff sometimes, I'm like, man, he's got so many things that he's tracking. Um, (laughs) I I think you do have to have like some measurables or some level of management to what you're doing. So I think the idea with an audit is you're creating awareness. So then with that awareness, you can then chat, like meet those challenges, obstacles and issues head on and, uh, then, you know, see how you do and and what actions you're taking specifically to address those. So I think the audit sort of precedes the action, but then you're going to do like a follow up audit down the road to make sure you actually improved. I think that's where having something like, you know, looking at your critical tasks, looking at your journal or some sort of morning routine, you can reflect back on like, did I do the things I said I was going to do like when I was going to do them? I think that's really important. I think also, you know, in terms of just having goals when you're doing active goal setting, uh, whether it's like 90 days a year or a shorter period of time, like a weekly goal, you're just going to go back and, and reflect on, okay, did I do this or did I not? Right. Uh, but it can be hard. I think until you cultivate that skill and you're used to doing it for other people, you may struggle to successfully audit yourself. And that's why I think community is very important. I think having friends who have similar goals and objectives, so you can maintain alignment and kind of similar parallels, I think that's important. And then, you know, as I mentioned with Cody earlier, coaching, I think is a huge way to create an environment that consistently will audit you, whether it's from a performance perspective or just from like a general human life perspective.
0: Yeah. I think there's a difference between assessing and auditing, right? Because like you said, I track a bunch of stuff. Like to me, that's assessing, you know what I mean? Because it's like on a daily basis. So like, for example, obviously I track macros, training progression, um, and weight every day. Like those are just kind of the metrics. Sleep or steps if I'm wearing my watch. Um, But I also track, you know, uh, appreciation. So I have two, like I basically have this like thing where I click these buttons and it's basically like, appreciation for two people, so Shannon and somebody else, click those, fitness, uh, fuel, so did I do like my greens in the morning with my vitamins and everything, Um, meditation, journaling, and then discover and declare, which is like, did I learn something today, and then did I create something today? So I track those on a daily basis, because that just, if if I'm assessing my habits, I will continue to have those good habits, but for me, auditing comes like every three to four months, and that's where, usually after like a 90-day outcome sprint, I would call it like set some goals, get after it. I have like a week to just reflect and then I just audit like what did I do well? Like where am I at across the board, relationship, my health, my business, my mental space and then where do I want to be and is there a contrast between those and if there is, why? And and really I think auditing your life is really just that. It's like, okay, here, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. I, I'm, there's a big gap and here's what I'm not doing. Here's why I'm not doing it. Let me remove those habits, change those habits, fix those habits, whatever I need to do in order to start becoming that person I want to be. But I don't think there's like a specific way you can do that. Like I know, even for me, like when I work with mentor clients, you know, and they want me to help audit, I'm usually just asking them questions that kind of like just probe their mind. You know, I'm not, all right, we'll fill this out. Like this is the formula, you know, it's, it's different for everybody, but I really think it just comes down to reflecting on essentially like where you're at and where you want to be. And if you're not there, there's a reason you're not there. Or you can at least be like, actually, you know what? I'm on the right fucking path. So I don't need to do anything. I audited and I'm actually in a good space. I'm just going to stay consistent versus shit. I'm not doing half the stuff. Like even for me recently, I I, kind of did audit because I started noticing a sense of overwhelm, anxiety, like lack of motivation for like weeks. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I actually, it's funny. I told Shannon, hey, I'm going to go in my office for a couple hours. It was like at night. I was like, I'll be down later. It's like, okay. I just left my phone out and I just meditated and I sat with my journal and just started mapping all this stuff out. And I just wrote it out. Like, what haven't I been doing? Like how deep has my meditation been? Have I been journaling? Have I been given appreciation? Have I taken a break? Like start going through all the things I'm doing and not doing. And then just, I have clarity on like, okay, well now I know what I need to do. And the anxiety went away like that because I saw the holes that needed to be filled. You know what I mean? Um, But I don't think you can do that too often. You know like If you have to do that very often, you're very inconsistent and you have a whole nother problem.
1: I think also, there's a difference between like a mild audit and overthinking. Yeah. And like sometimes if you're assessing and auditing too much, it can replace the action part of it. And it's like, sometimes you just got to keep moving forward and just yeah. keep showing up and your audits will, you'll get green lights. Like you're going to get a hundred, like you're going to look good because you're, you're taking the action. Yeah. I think sometimes it's like this paralysis by analysis of like looking back at things. So just be careful. I mean like audits are good. Self-awareness is key for everything, but Just don't get in a place where like you're so worried about what you've been doing that you stop showing up for the present and the future because you can't like, you're not going to be able to change the past anyways. Yeah. So just create awareness around it and then like take action today and tomorrow and like keep going from there.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. All right. This is a good one for you. I mean, I I have thoughts on it too, but type of weight training. This is from Tara Falloon type of weight training when you have adrenal fatigue or maybe none at all,
1: or maybe none at all. Uh, just, mean maybe no adrenal issues or maybe no training at all? <laughs> I think no, training, <laughs> at no all. training at all. She's like, I may or may not have this, uh, condition. So, uh, just kind of back up for a little bit. So adrenal fatigue is not really like a recognized term in the medical community. Um, it's really more like adrenal insufficiency or dysregulation, just in the sense that the symptoms are essentially the same. So for like the layman understanding it like it's essentially the same it's just the idea that the gland itself so your adrenals are a gland but there's this important connection with your brain so it's not the gland itself that's like oh i'm tired i don't want to make this hormone the brain is basically either down regulating or up regulating or changing the signal to that particular gland same thing can happen with thyroid same thing can happen with reproductive hormones it's really about that precursor signaling from the brain. And, and that's so we like with testosterone issues.
0: too, right? The it can be. Like yeah. So like hypothalamus
1: and pituitary will send really to any. So with that, that's like the gonadal axis. So ovaries and women um, can, can have the same, same thing, thyroid. Um, basically we have these glands and tissues that will are responsible for that like whole hormone production, but like a precursor to testosterone would be like LH, luteinizing hormone, um, which right. is going to come from the pituitary. Uh, when we're looking at the thyroid gland, like TSH comes from the pituitary to the thyroid to create T4, which then has to be converted to T3. So when we, you know, look at something like the adrenals, we have to look at, okay, what is a level of perceived stress on the body, on the brain? Why would the, why would our brain essentially be making these decisions to adjust that hormonal output because um, it's kind of this like overall like general captain like team leader it's going to signal the other tissues what they need to be doing based on what it's perceiving in terms of energy output energy intake and then also that overall you know stress on the body which can be inflammation circadian stress lifestyle stress like you, you read a stressful email work whatever right um, so someone with adrenal issues I would audit first like looking at lifestyle stressors uh, making sure you don't have any like glaring nutrient deficiencies, you might want to just take a little maintenance period for a while. Um, I don't love like immediately throwing people into like super hard or surplus or reverse, because if their adrenals are off and there's cortisol dysregulation and cortisol is basically this alertness hormone, you can be basically, uh, you're basically freeing up glucose in a way. And you can wake up with these like high fast blood glucose scores. You'll see compromised insulin sensitivity. And it's not that you don't need carbs. And in fact, I would advise against going like super low carb or anything like that. It's just more so you need to be mindful of how you're sort of like utilizing your nutrition and your nutrients to balance out that issue. Uh, so in the case like this, where we're, I may, you know, I think I have this adrenal issue, uh, should I be training? I'd say before you make drastic changes to your training, like let's zoom out at your life. Like, are you just a stress person in general? Number yeah. one, um, number two, are you progressing in your training or do you feel like you're moving backwards? If you're progressing in your training and you feel like you have strength in the gym, but you're like tired and fatigued outside of the gym. Okay. Let's look at sleep. Let's look at, okay, are you eating consistently? Um, are you having drops in your blood glucose? Like, are you having protein and fiber at your meals to keep things stable when you are eating carbohydrate? Let's, let's look at when you think it's an adrenal issue. Why do you think it's actually an adrenal issue? And zooming out from there, um, are you particularly high volume, high intensity, high frequency, or is it a fairly modest and moderate program? Um, I've seen people where depending on how extreme the stressors are in other areas of their life, that may cause training to come down. Um, so like if you're a night shift worker with tons of, like, you've got stress, you know, stressful job, um, and and a number of other things, plus adrenal issues. Okay. Well, we may want to, your recovery bandwidth is lower than someone that has like a low stress lifestyle with a normal sleep schedule. Yeah. So I want to look at your bandwidth in other areas before I make a determination of hard black or white, yes or no, like cut this, cut that. Um, but also look at your productivity. Like are your training sessions yielding anything? uh or not and and how are you feeling like are you leaving the gym like totally wiped and beat or like do you feel okay um i I would have to ask a lot more questions obviously
0: i would agree i mean the only thing i would add is like there's there's some cases where it's less about changing how often you're training and just the intensity because i think there's you know there's sometimes where there's people that are even like uh that are like really into being athletes and if you remove their training, they're even more stressed out and right. then it just makes the problem worse. So rather like if you have a CrossFit athlete, it's like, hey, let's just tone down the intensity on a few days, right? Or like start using an RPE scale, right? And like not going to 10 RPE every single day. Um, otherwise, I would agree 100%. I think just like the the subtle changes to your lifestyle in general. And
1: I'd, I'd typically for a healthy person, I would rather adjust training. I'd rather ratchet it down than remove it entirely. Yeah, just 100%. like you said, I would rather maybe it's, one less day a week, or maybe it's less total sets per session, uh, or I'm not taking as many things like to failure, or I'm like adjusting like, okay, drop sets and rest pause and all yeah. of these things, or maybe like the percentage of your maxes, like maybe the RPE or RIR kind of changes, uh, if you're using those terminology, but, uh, that's kind of how I would first approach it. But I'd first ask a ton of questions before I made any decisions about the training.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I think, uh, I think it's a good answer. I think that, uh, like, there's just so much more to it. Like, I, I even thought, like, well, if this person comes to me and their lifestyle's fine, but they're following a low-carb diet and intermittent fasting, well, like, let's just start with changing that. You know what I mean? So I think there's always, like, a bunch of little things. And that kind of goes back to what I was really trying to get to with the hormone question at the beginning is, like, I think a lot of times it is a bunch of little subtle changes versus these dramatic things that you have to do right away. And you just kind of slowly chip at these little things and be patient until your hormones get to a good place, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that applies here too. Uh, all right, this, we got like, we'll do like one or two more. Um, M Jenkins fitness advice for coaches that are struggling to attract clients. Um, do you have anything that pops out in your head first? I mean, my my thing is always like I always go back to value. It's like if you're if you're struggling to attract clients, like if we go from like a business perspective, one, your message might be off. I think that a lot of times people, I mean, it it took me years to figure out my message. Uh, like I don't know about you, but I I was almost like copying other people's message and other people's branding because I just. I was like my North Star. Like, I just, oh, I want to have that. I want to be like that um, versus having my own voice. So I would actually encourage people to study. Like, I, I read a lot of books about how to write better, how to find your voice in writing. And um and just personal development allows you to start being more authentic. And I think once you start having an authentic voice, it's easier for you to find and then deliver your message with confidence. And I think that pays off tremendously. Um, and then obviously value, if you're not giving a ton of value in your content, in the stories you post on your Instagram your podcast with your clients, your emails, anything like that, then that's the biggest problem. Like, uh, and I also, and the last thing I'll say is like, are you building trust with people? I think we were talking about this before we even started the podcast, but I think a lot of people are like, I hate when I'm on an email list and it's just like every single day they're pitching me. I'm like, bro, come on. Like if I want to buy your shit, I will buy it. But... Yeah. Like, I, so I just get off the email list, you know what I mean? I feel like
1: the majority of the time I'm, like, sending a podcast or a post or, yeah. like, hey, we, we, like, I went live in this community or did whatever.
0: Um, I try to teach, like, a lesson, like, yeah. that I learned from a client conversation or a journaling thing. Um, and for me, like, the biggest pitch I do is, like, if if I'm teaching training, I'm, like, by the way, we have a membership site. Click here if you want to learn more. You know what I mean? But it's never, like, the purpose of a newsletter. So I think just, just valuing the delivery of value is... Pretty high on the totem pole. I think finding your message is really good, um, and just putting yourself out there, your authentic self out there. Yeah, but
1: so I'm going to give a different take, just because I think everyone hears like the Gary V value, 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 value yeah. thing, um, which is true. Like there's a reason everybody says it, but sometimes. It's like, okay, where do I add value? How do I add value? People get stuck in the mechanics. I would just say, you know, are you just posting and praying like that someone is going to show up? Or are you actually actively engaging and connecting with people? Are you in communities answering questions? Have you created a community of your own? How are you starting conversations? Um, Are you going into conversations just like, hey, buy my shit versus, you know, one thing that you might want to do is if people follow you, maybe invite them or like, hey, here's, thanks for the follow. I appreciate the support on my content. If you like these posts, here's actually this other thing I did. It's not on my Instagram account, but this is totally free for you. Check out this like complimentary thing that I wrote or this video or I'm on YouTube or whatever, and just send them that, um, start a conversation. So I think part of it is, are, are you just kind of actively also being passive in kind of your own demise or are you actually, out there, like, are you in Facebook groups answering questions? Are you commenting on stuff? Like, uh, that's one thing that I was not very good at. Fortunately, like my content picked up some traction and I was posting in the right places and doing the right things and adding a lot of value. But if you are doing that and kind of slow to pick up, um, you know, doing that and even just like showing an interest in other individuals lives, because it, it's kind of a double standard of you're expecting people to show an interest in your business and your coaching, but you're not actually being a human on the same side. And and I'm guilty of that sometimes too, as I get so caught up in like what I'm going to post and the content I'm doing that to circle back on other people and be a part of like this, like human tribe, uh, can be a big thing, but definitely value. I would just say, be mindful. Like, are you relying solely on one platform? What type of content are you putting out? Like the way that Instagram grew 10 years ago, is totally, di- well, it wouldn't have been 10 years ago, like six, seven, eight yeah, years yeah. ago. Um, is very different than it is right now. Um, some people can get that traction and grow. And, but, you know, but sometimes you got to go other places and bring them back to Instagram and just kind of cross pollinate. One thing I think Cody does really well, and I've sort of uh, tried to be on the same page there and be in alignment with that is there's this like content ecosystem. It's like, there's the podcast, there's Instagram, and you don't have to have a podcast to be successful with this. Maybe for you, it's a free Facebook group and you have a YouTube channel or you have um, Instagram or you post on Facebook or you have a blog. Like Cody started with a blog and I think you do, like you mentioned your flip video cam and stuff like that all the time. I think it's more of like, how am I sort of cross pollinating and like having this ecosystem of content where if someone comes in they feel comfortable to like, Oh, I'm going to stay around for a while. I'm going to learn a little bit more. I'm going to read a little bit more. I think that's part of the process of adding the value. Yeah. Uh, One of the mistakes that I made earlier on was like, I would just kind of post on Instagram. One thing I've done a lot more diligently, like I said, with the nutrition coaching collaborative and some of these workshops is I'm literally building a community of coaches, inviting people in and saying, Hey, this is no cost to you. And these like other thousand people are just hanging out and you can learn from their questions and I'm going to answer stuff too. So I think that makes a big difference. So just try to you know, audit Yeah, what you're doing with your content and kind of go from there.
0: I think uh, I started writing a post and like the first thing was uh, like entrepreneur over an influencer. Like what's the difference? And I think like an entrepreneur or a good coach or anybody who's trying to vo- add value to the people they serve, you're going to be in different places because you can't, truly deliver the amount of value that you have the potential to just on instagram so the way i look at it is my instagram might attract your eye get your attention but i'm gonna say hey go check out this free guide it's 10 pages it's free download it read it learn about it or check out this video that's 20 minutes of me talking on a whiteboard teaching you a topic or my podcast that's an hour long where i go deep dive or this research review that our cso does and it's like all these different super in-depth long form pieces of content that I send people to after they do Instagram and I think that's the big key because you know I, I like some of these influencers I like the information they give me but I don't trust them with my progress right. my results or my business like if I'm going to hire a coach I'm going to hire a coach that one I trust the only way to get trust is seeing more than just Instagram and two can actually speak on a topic for a long period of time you know like I trust you with hormones more than anybody because you can come out with episode after episode after episode talking about all these different aspects of the endocrine system in depth for a long period of time. You can't bullshit about cortisol for an hour straight without really knowing <laughs> the ins and outs of it. You know what I mean? So I think that being able to find those long form content is like to me is the best way and, and I've even had people apply for coaching and say I've never like literally I was like, oh, where did you find us? honestly, I've never heard of you, but I Googled something and saw that you had a CSO and I thought that was like pretty legit. It's like, that, that makes me trust you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sweet. And they've never hired a nutrition coach. So to them, it was like, I want to find a differentiator. somebody. differentiator. Yeah, and, and, and that's putting more in, in, like literally Brandon's on our team to create free content. Like he literally gets paid to write blogs and research reviews, get on the podcast with us, and then of course, educate our coaches. So he does like coaching presentations every, every month for everybody, but um that's investing in value. You know what I mean? I think that's super important too. Now, obviously not everybody can can do that at the beginning. I didn't for a long time, but um, I think just, I just wanted to piggyback off your idea of having that ecosystem or being able to like send them other places. And if you're only doing Instagram, and I love that post and pray, I've never heard that. Um, if you're doing that and you're not creating long form content, you should. And if you don't have confidence in creating long form content, then you have some studying to do. And there's nothing wrong with picking a topic that you're like, I know it, but I couldn't write 2,000 words on it. Okay, we'll start doing research because you're gonna learn more if you write about it, guarantee.
1: Yeah, I think part of it too is, so what Cody said in terms of, uh, you you hear with Instagram a lot, like no like trust, right? So I might know you from Instagram. I might like your stuff, uh, but it's hard. Think about how much trust you can build with 2,200 characters versus like an hour long podcast, just like you said. Um, and, And I use the same approach. Like I think one thing with my podcast is, it's much harder to bullshit someone for that extended period of time. And they're also like taking time out to listen to you or invest in what they're doing. Also people are just busy. So like, is your content easily consumable versus like, are you requiring them to like go out of their way to do it? One of the reasons like I've enjoyed making my podcast is I feel like people can be driving or, you know, maybe they're working out or they're going for a walk and they're just like, Oh, I'm going to just kind of feed this info into my brain. And then they'll engage more on the Instagram and Facebook stuff. Anyways. The last thing I would just say is if you're struggling to attract clients like social proof and, you know, help a few people, I don't know if you have any coaching examples of where you've been successful, make sure you're posting that, talking about it, talk about obstacles your clients are facing, give people like that relatability factor. And also they can trust you even more because they see that you're getting results, but I think start there. And uh, if you don't have that, maybe help a few people and then talk about how you're helping them um, or, you know, be like, I'll help you in exchange for being able to talk about this transformation. I think that's something, too, is like if you're only content, like you have to have that human factor, too, yeah. of like people think about the the decisions that they're making uh, if they're going to invest in a coach
0: or something like that. Well, and I think that, you know, there's, there's these different platforms for a reason, too. Different people, like we have a specific audience that loves reading blogs. And then a lot of people are like, I'm not going to read that shit. so. I do a short post on it, then I write a long form blog on it, and then I read the blog on a podcast so people can hear me read and discuss the topic. So it's like whatever area of the spectrum you're on that you want to consume the content, like we're going to have that for you. And I think like cause some people will say like, well, podcasts are so big, like nobody reads blogs anymore. I'm just like, there's people out there that read a lot of blogs. And guess what? If you Google search a topic, podcasts don't come up. Blogs do. So if you want to be found on Google, you should write blogs with really good titles, which there's like tricks to, to get the right titles to pop up on Google. Um, but like study SEO and start writing blogs because you could be like, I've written blogs because I re- recorded a podcast on it and the podcast is linked in the blog, but I know I want people to be able to find it on Google. So I like do my trickery and make sure that yeah. people can find it, you know? And I think that's, that's pretty damn important too. it. But, but again, it just goes back to the idea of like diversify what you're doing with your content in general. So you're not just in one place, yeah, you sure. know?
1: I think we crossed crossed our T's and dotted our I's on that
0: one. So I think we're good, man. I think we're going to wrap it up there. It's about an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, Thank you for joining me on a weekly Q&A. Sam Miller Science. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy.